Third and five, John David Booty out of the shotgun. Rarity this year. Throws into the end zone. Catch by Osbury. Great catch. Touchdown, USC. David Osbury. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined as always in our first segment by the coach, Harvey Hyde. How are you doing today on this fine Wednesday, coach? Ryan, I'm always doing good. I love talking uh, football, especially USC, Trojan football, and it keeps getting closer and closer and closer. we got to have a countdown. You know, yeah. you count the minutes before the first game. We're inching our way there. What I think it's just under three months until, uh, is that right, until the, the first game? What, where are we at? We're in June, July, August, fall camp, and then the season starts. It and, certainly uh, does. It starts on August 30th. We're actually going to go through, in this segment, we're going to go through the schedule. Uh, in a little bit of detail, 10 of the 12 game times and TV times have been announced, so we'll kind of go over that and some of the significance of that in this segment with the coach. Uh, but first, if anyone has any questions or comments, you can always email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can go to uscfootball.com, post some questions on the message board. We'll do our best to answer them and uh, talk about them here on the air. And uh, before we get going, just wanted to give a quick thank you and a shout out to our friends over at Southern California Tickets. Curtis takes care of you over there at sctickets.com. Just give him a call, 1-800-888-7287. If you have any need for tickets for concerts or sporting events or the theater, uh, just give him a call. Curtis over there at Southern California Tickets. That's a good spot to go, especially uh, maybe you might be a ticket or two short of a, a USC home game. Maybe he can help you out. Yeah, and they, I went on his website the other day, and they have lots of Laker tickets up there. Um, but, I can't believe how much money people pay to sit courtside at the Laker game, Coach. It's unbelievable. I'll tell you, it is unbelievable. That just shows you uh, how much money's really out there, I guess, because I'll tell you, if I had two tickets and you wanted to pay me that, Ryan, I think I'd sell them to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could afford to pay you for that, Coach, but uh, it'd be great. It'd be fun to go to see a game like that at some point, sit, sit next to Jack or... Uh, you know any of those uh, the celebrities that kind of hang out right on the court, but I don't know about spending tens of thousands of dollars for a two and a half hour basketball game. I'm not quite sure, and I think we can see it a little bit better on television from our angle than they can really actually on the floor. Yeah, and well, you know, one thing we don't get to see, Kurt Schilling. Uh, this was in the news the other day. Uh, he was sitting courtside for Game Two of the uh, Celtics Laker game. And he wrote, and he has a blog, and uh, he, what, he writes some crazy stuff in his blog. He wrote in his blog about how Kobe Bryant's mannerisms were so terrible and how he was yelling at, at teammates and they were just kind of like turning away and not listening to him. So I guess you do get a little bit of a, a personal touch if you sit on the floor and you get some, you know, the facial reactions and everything from the players. So maybe you get a little bit more than you can see on TV, but I don't know if it's worth all that money. Well, uh, I don't know if it is either, and uh, a lot of things go on in huddles. A lot of things go on on the bench that you're really not aware of, and they're all motivational. Nothing's taken personal. It's just part of wanting to win and, 
and saying things and trying to motivate players, you know. So, you know, yeah, you do get a different output, and you do see the different mannerisms of coach. You look at coaches, you look at Doc Rivers. He's yelling and screaming and ranting and raving. His team is jumping off the bench and so on during the game and so on and high-fiving everyone. And then you look at Phil Jackson, another champion coach, won more championships than just about anybody. And he's slow. He doesn't yell. He doesn't show any emotion. Uh, the Lakers just sort of stand up. They don't have that same way or attitude. That, that Your team really does follow the coach as far as with the way and the – like Pete Carroll's enthusiasm. And, and then there's some coaches that just sort of walk up and down the sidelines. So I really enjoy as a coach watching coaches work and watching the way their teams play. There's no one way of winning. You know, you can't change as a coach or try to copy someone else. You've got to be yourself. But I love watching how teams react to their coaches and, and how their coaches motivate their teams, you know? Yeah, and I think that would be the biggest thing to sit on the court side there is to just be able to listen to overhear what's going on in the huddles and, and see what players say coming off the bench or, or, you know, running onto the floor. I think that would be kind of fun. But we, we're going to have to get off the uh, – semi-Laker <laughs> semi talk. Uh, we, we actually had some controversy this week on the site. A lot of uh, a lot of Laker talk. Uh, obviously, a lot of USC fans are also Laker fans, but there's a lot of USC fans that aren't Laker fans that don't live in Southern California and aren't really part of that the whole Laker phenomenon that's going on. So there were people, there was a lot of threads on the message boards where there was Laker talk. And so there's a little controversy, but I think we hopefully we got that taken care of. And uh, let's get on to some Trojan talk. So like we said, we're going to go over the 2008 football schedule some of the tv times have been announced there's only two games that haven't been we'll go through them we just figure we'll go through the uh the whole schedule and uh get some thoughts on each game and, and you know the coach can share his insights and uh you know what where he thinks the team will be at each stage of the season and uh first up august 30th it's a trip to virginia played in charlottesville which is about two and a half hours outside of washington dc uh it'll be local time uh, Pacific time, it's going to be a 12:30 kickoff on ABC, uh, 3:30, you know, back east. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a first game on the road, first time starting. Well, not really first time starting quarterback for uh, Mark Sanchez. He started three games, but just, you know, first time it's going to be really his team uh, if he holds on to that position throughout fall camp. What are your thoughts on this game? I know you think it, there's a lot of potential here just going on the road. The one thing that that Pete Carroll's done really well. And he's done a lot of things well, but one of the things he's done really well is going on the road into hostile environments and and really ripping the heart out of opponents and stomping them in their own on their own field. Well, I think it's a very important game for the Trojans because a lot of people are talking about Ohio State and they can't overlook Virginia. The, the stadium has been sold out. Okay, it is a sellout. Uh, you can't get a ticket to it. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere down there uh, in Virginia. It's a game they've been looking forward to. I know there's signs all over campus in Virginia and those weight rooms and everywhere. We open against the number one team in the country. We open against USC, this and that. So it's a huge game for Virginia, but it's also a huge game for USC. Why? Because they have to go down to a hostile environment. It's great for recruiting in the South for USC because of the exposure down there. It's a national televised game on ABC. And uh, also, it's a great way to condition. Pete Carroll will use his conditioning when it's hot here in Southern California that, hey, where we're going, it's going to be hotter. It's going to be 
hostile. We have to be ready. We have to work out in the heat and so on. So he'll get his team ready for this trip. He, he's, as you mentioned, uh, gone to very uh, same type of atmospheres at, at, when he went to Virginia Tech and, and these, Auburn and so on. So it's going to be a great game for USC as it is for Virginia. It's going to be a great challenge, and it's not going to be hard to get your team ready to play. I really think this team, this game will help prepare the Trojans better for their season than their home opener a year ago against Idaho. No matter what you tell a team, they know it's the University of Idaho. Nothing against the University of Idaho except it's not an ACC team. It's not a national name. Uh, everyone assumes that it's going to be an easy victory. You don't come to play. You don't have a great camp because you don't, you can't focus. But this game, you have to focus on Virginia. Yeah, no, you have to. Fo- you know what I mean? I agree with you, Coach. And it, they were a little flat in that that Idaho game last year, and uh, it, they looked so much better when they went to like. Nebraska it wasn't for the opener, but you went to Arkansas, you went to Auburn. They just seem to be so much more focused on those really tough opening away games, like you said. And, uh, you know, it's going to be Virginia Super Bowl. I mean, this is going to be the biggest game on their schedule. I mean, you can talk about their rivalry games and stuff, but this is the one they're going to be looking forward to. And the problem is for USC, two weeks later, September 13th, they got a big game with Ohio State at the LA Coliseum, uh, 5 p.m. local time on ABC. You know, what, what is the, the problem there, Coach, when you're going to play an opponent who it's they're going to be their biggest game, they're going to be up for that Virginia game as big as any game on their schedule, and the Trojans have to look forward to an even bigger game two weeks from then in Ohio State. Is, that, is there any chance that they could overlook Virginia because of that? No, you can't overlook Virginia, and Pete Carroll is very good at that uh, as far as preparing a team game by game by game by game, and and, uh, sir, obviously the kids know they're playing Ohio State. But uh, they, if they don't beat Virginia, the game at, against Ohio State isn't as big. So uh, they'll be ready for Virginia and Ohio State. Uh, actually, guys, or when, I, when I look at the Ohio State game, I can't think of a bigger game. I mean, if the Rose Bowl would have had its normal tradition, the last two years in the Rose Bowl, it would have been Ohio State-USC. Ohio State has played the national championship game. What makes this such a huge game for both schools is because it's a great challenge of rivalry, not only between the schools, but between the conferences. And Ohio State needs to prove something. They've lost their last two national championship bids, and now they have a chance to regain some national recognition against USC. USC may be ranked number one in the country. Ohio State might be ranked one, number one in the country. Could be one against two. Really could be. So this is a huge game for both programs and both conferences. You can't think of a better non-conference game than this. This is a Rose Bowl game for the past two years and now in the Coliseum, a home game for USC. So this is going to be a huge game with USC's young, talented team against a very experienced Ohio State team that has experienced a lot of disappointment uh, the last two years when they played big-time opponents. So uh, I'll tell you, Jimmy Trestle's team's going to be really prepared and focused for this game, and it's going to be a huge game. I can't think of a better game at 5 p.m. national television time, 8 p.m. East Coast time. I mean, this is a bowl game. 
It is, Coach. And I think Ohio State's got a lot of motivation because they got waxed in their last two you know, major out-of-conference matchups against SEC schools in the national championship game. You know what would be funny about this? I think a lot of the kind of fringe fans, there's a lot of people that haven't really rooted for USC uh, lately besides Trojan fans, a lot, especially in the SEC, they kind of root against them. I think there's going to be a lot of people across the country rooting for USC to be at Ohio State just because they're sick of seeing them get there. And and like you said, this could be one verse two, two verse three, uh, one verse three, you know, whatever it's going to come out as. And obviously it's going to be a huge matchup, the biggest non-conference game on the, on the entire college season slate. So, to you know, the loser of this game could be out of the national championship. And I think a lot of people are kind of sick of seeing Ohio State get there and get through their Big 12 schedule. So you might have a lot of uh, bandwagon Trojan fans rooting for USC just so Ohio State won't be in it next year. Yeah, that could happen. That could happen. Uh, but I'll tell you, those uh, Ohio State fans are everywhere. I'll tell you, tickets, don't even talk about them. You were no. talking about tickets a moment ago for the Lakers. Just imagine what this ticket cost is going to be for people who are going to try to get it's, tickets. It'll be crazy, but uh, you know, uh, Curtis over at SC Tickets will be able to take care of anyone that needs yeah, them. They'll so. take care of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the next, they have actually another bye week. Um, so there's a game at Virginia by Ohio State at home, then a bye week, then an interesting game at Oregon State up in Corvallis on a Thursday night, September 25th. It'll be a 6 p.m. start on ESPN, a national game. USC's not known for playing these Thursday games. Usually you got the teams like uh, Rutgers or someone that's trying to be up and coming and get on national television. Uh, it's interesting that they, they put this one on a Thursday. You know, Oregon State, you know, Mike Riley up there, they, I mean, they can be a really uh, tough team to beat. Obviously, they beat USC a couple years ago. What are your thoughts on uh, the Beavers? Well, I tell you, I, I think this is one of the most dangerous games the entire season for the Trojans. Uh, coming off of Virginia, coming off of Ohio State, having a bye. If you win coming off of Ohio State, uh, you're feeling good, you're celebrating, you're not going to focus that much for a week or two. You're going to have fun. Uh, And if you lose against Ohio State, you're going to be down, down. But you have to wait so long, you have to wait so long until you can play again. And you have to read about it in the papers and, and all of that. And now you open up at Ohio State the first conference game of the year on a Thursday night. And Ohio State, or not Ohio State, Oregon State is a dangerous team. I mean, Mike Riley coaches his kids up. And if you follow the past history of the games against Oregon State, they've been difficult. Their kids are nasty. Their kids hit you. They've got, they'll have 40 kids from Southern California on their roster. Kids that either couldn't get in SC or kids that weren't recruited by USC or kids that want to prove that the Trojans overlooked them. And I tell you, they get after you. They really get after you. And so this is a very dangerous game, very dangerous game to USC because of the first two games, the outcomes of the first two games, opening conference, but you've got to open conference with a win. You've got to but you're on a road on a Thursday night. It, 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 it's dangerous. It, it really is. But So they're going to have to really be focused for this game. Definitely. And uh, it, it, this is kind of one of those weird years on the road for the Trojans in the Pac-10. It's kind of like the remote year. You're going to some of the more remote teams or remote schools in the conference. You know, or, uh, Corvallis, Oregon, uh, going to Pullman, Washington. You're going to Tucson, Arizona. So it's, it's the travel is going to be a little tougher and going on a Thursday night is going to be different. 
So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they, it's 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 going to be a really tough start to the season. Those first three games, two tough road games, and then Ohio State at home. Uh, they do have some extra time in between each game, so that might make it more interesting. And we'll see. But a- after that Oregon State game, they play uh, the Oregon Ducks at home, October fourth. That'll be at the Coliseum. Another uh, prime time, five p.m. ABC uh, ABC game. You know, Mike Bellotti always got a lot of talent on that team. I think if they can come out of those first three games, 3-0, and and get the next two games at home, I think they're going to be looking pretty good. But what do you think about Oregon? Well, Oregon is always a dangerous team, and they always have great athletes, and they do a great job of coaching and so on. But it's a different atmosphere playing in the Coliseum and not at Eugene. Eugene's a very difficult place to play, and obviously everyone knows they lost there last year. So there is a revenge factor in this game. Uh, sure, Oregon will have a lot of players from Southern California on the roster. Uh, I'm not as nervous about this game as I am about the Oregon State game. I think that uh, the Trojans will be ready to play this game. Uh, it's the second conference game of the year. Uh, it's turned into, whether people realize this or not, it's quite a rivalry now. It, it, it really is. It's a hostile type of game. They've had some big gains with them recently. And Oregon always starts off strong early part of the season. The early part of the season, they're, they're playing well. They started 4-0, 5-0, if you've noticed, and so on. Uh, and then they drop off towards the end of the season for some reason. Obviously, we know last year why, because of their quarterback injury to Dixon. But, but I, I'm not worried about this game as much as I am the Oregon State game in the Coliseum back home. 5 p.m. ABC National Championship game. Uh, I think Oregon, I'm going to give them all the respect in the world. they got a great football program. But I think this, this game is going to be a challenge. But I think, you know, remember, this is the game Mark Sanchez played last year. And, and, and he'll lead this team. He got beat by this team. He's going to lead his team, I feel, and they're going to be ready to play against the Ducks. I think so. They, you know, they've lost to some Pac-10 teams over – the past few years, like you know, but every year they come back and beat them the next year, and especially when it's going to be at home. I think Sanchez is going to get a want to, want to get some revenge, and the rest of the team. I don't think Oregon's going to be as strong as they were last year. And Dixon was just when they played Dixon, he was on fire. Uh, they're obviously they're not going to have that, so we'll see. I, I you know I, I like them in this game as well. I'm definitely definitely don't rank this as as one of the top the, you know tougher games of the first four games of the season. Uh, but if they're able to get by Oregon. Or either way, they're going to play October 11th. It's another Saturday game. Arizona State at the Coliseum. Uh, this game has not been announced on TV, so it's a pretty big game that even that hasn't been on on uh, television yet. So it's a, another chance to get this, especially if Arizona State starts off strong. It's another chance for uh, USC to play in a nationally televised game. You're right, and that's why television is waiting. Television is waiting to see just uh, what type of start both teams have. Because Arizona State, I don't have their schedule in front of me. I don't know who they play early. But if Arizona State is 3-0 and or 4-0 and or is off to a great start and so on and throwing the ball around and Dennis Erickson's got a great name and, and, and this is a huge game, this will have a, a prime time broadcast time. Uh, so that's a game they've probably put that they're going to look at to see how both teams are doing. It'll be on television. It's just who will carry it. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. Arizona State has great talent. Uh, uh, I think that uh, I'm not quite sure if the Sun Devils this year 
uh, will be uh, such a surprise to everyone as they were last year. They started off strong. Uh, Dennis Erickson came in at a prime time. They rallied around him and so on. I don't think any team this year will take them for granted in any way. I think the Trojans will be more prepared for Arizona State, not that they weren't last year. And I look for USC to battle them, but I look for USC to be able to handle them because they're at home again. And I think this is going to be a very important game. I think they won't have any problem getting ready to play for them. And again, it's a lot of California kids at Arizona State going against the Trojans. So again, it's a bowl game. It's a bowl game for the Trojans against every one of their opponents because every time a Pac-10 team comes into the Coliseum, they're loaded with Southern California players. So those players are going to be playing in front of their high school coaches, their family, their friends, and so on. So they certainly want to play hard and play well. So I think it'll be a very competitive game, but I look for the Trojans to beat Arizona State. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And uh, what would make this a very, very interesting matchup? I think USC has a chance to to go 4-0, obviously, those first four games before they play Arizona State. Arizona State got, uh, I think it's Northern Arizona is first on their schedule, a couple of Pac-10 teams. Then they play Georgia at home on September 20th. So if they can take down Georgia at home and, you know, they're 5-0 and at the time when they play USC and, and USC's 4-0, you know, uh, that's going to be a huge game, and obviously they'll be picked up on uh, on some kind of national broadcast. Um, you know, Georgia is obviously one of the top-rated teams in the country. You know, with Ohio State and USC, that any they could all go one, two, or three in any order. If Arizona State's able to take care of business at home in Tempe, I mean, that would just make for an amazing matchup between you know two powers in the Pac-10. I'm going to tell you something. If Arizona State beats Georgia. Wow, look out for Arizona State, because Georgia's going to be loaded next year. Yeah, they're definitely loaded. They, they might have been one of the top teams in the country at the end of the year. If the Rose Bowl would have had the USC-Georgia game last year, those maybe were the two top teams in the country at the end of the year. Yeah, everybody wanted to see that, and uh, it was a little disappointing to see Illinois. But, you know, Trojans got the win, and it was a another Rose Bowl victory, another BCS Bowl win for Pete Carroll, and uh, they keep rolling on. So that, uh, next game, October 18th, they go one of those uh, remote games to Washington State, Pullman, Washington. It's a uh, 12.30 p.m. game on Fox Sports Net, so it'll be another national game. Um, oh, you know, Actually, I'm not sure about that one, if that's going to be just out western. We'll have to double-check on that. But it will be uh, uh, an early afternoon start, 12.30. Uh, have you been up to Pullman before, Coach? It's, uh, it's pretty far out there. Well, when I coached, we played Washington State, but we didn't play them at Pullman. We played them in Spokane. And uh, they played, they used to, at least when I coached, they played one game a year in Spokane. So, no, I haven't been in, Pol- uh, in Pullman, but the players have told me that it's probably one of the toughest places to play at. The crowd is right there on top of you. It's not a large state. I think it's 40, 42,000. Crazy. It's freezing cold or raining, and all the kids have got their shirts off, and they're in your face <laughs> and everything. And... Uh, Again, it's another one of these games where Southern California uh, kids uh, fill the roster. They just fill the roster, and they throw the ball around pretty good, and they get ready to play for you. And The only thing I don't know, and I can't say much about Washington State this year, is because they have a new coaching staff, 
Uh, I know they're going to wing the ball all over the field, but that's the way they equalize everything up there. Uh, so I, I can't speak on what to expect from Washington State, except in the past, whenever they played anybody at home, they've beaten a lot of people there. Yeah, and I think they're personnel-wise, I don't think they're going to have the horses this year, but we'll see what the new coaching staff does and kind of brings in some different talent. And I like Bill Doba a lot. He was one of the most charismatic coaches I thought we had in the Pac-10. Uh, but, you know, they got a new regime there. We'll see what happens. I've, I've been to Pullman once, and I actually had a really good time uh, there. It's it's really remote. I mean, you got to fly from – if you can fly into Seattle, and then you can take a little puddle jumper over to uh, – it's like really on the far side, the uh, far east side of the state – they have a really cool campus bar called the Coog. So if you ever go, you got to check out that place. And uh, it, it, it's fun, but it's really hard to get to. And it's not a place you'd really want to go back to uh, all that often, especially if you don't like to fly. <laughs> Jim Jim Wallen once told me, he says, he says I, le- I didn't live close to campus, but I used to plug in one, uh, one Willie Nelson record on my CD, he says, and I'd be home. Okay. He says, there's nothing to it. I just listen to Willie Nelson and I'd be home. Yeah. He says there was no stop signs, nothing. <laughs> he says that I'd get home. I didn't have any traffic problems. Yeah, it's fine. And I think the team actually ends up staying in Idaho. It's the it's a sister city with Moscow, Idaho. Um, and I, I think the bigger hotels are actually in Moscow, so people don't even stay in Pullman. But it, it's an interesting trip up there. Um, you know, you have to try and make it sometime, Coach. I, I don't know if I'm going to go anytime soon. I'm going to be sending my uh, beat writer. I, we started a new beat writer, Dan Wyke, and we'll, we'll actually talk to him later in the podcast and uh doesn't he's not gonna have the best road schedule to go to i'm gonna take care of the virginia game so he won't be working that but his first <laughs> his first two road games will be in corvallis and pullman and he'll be like oh i don't know if i took this why i took this job but it'll be fun they'll get a couple of good ones but we're actually uh we we took up the whole time for that segment coach so what we're gonna do is that's six games we're uh halfway through the schedule so what we'll do is uh next week we'll go through the second half of the schedule and go through all those games in detail just like we did today I think it's great, Ryan. I really do, and I appreciate the opportunity of discussing USC Trojan football with you. No, we love having you on. Thank you very much for uh, just being a part of the show and sharing your insights. Thanks again to Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, 800-888-7287. They're our proud sponsor, and thank you for doing that. Again, if you have any questions, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Thanks again, Coach, for joining us. And thank you very much for having me, and have a great week. All right, we're going to have a short break, and we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of recruiting. USC got the twelfth their 12th commitment for the class of 2009 this week, uh, just yesterday, actually. And then we'll also talk summer workouts with our beat writer, Dan Wojcicki. So stay tuned. The Peristyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. 
Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Okay, we're back at the Parastyle Podcast. This is episode number 17. We're in our second segment. We're going to focus on recruiting for this segment. Uh, just to let you know, if you have any questions or concerns, comments, you can always email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. And our sponsor for this segment the Law Offices of Bart Ring. So Bart's a loyal Trojan. He's been helping Trojan fans with any kind of issues with the law for the last 20 years. If you have any law problems, you can get a hold of him at 818 818- Five eight seven nine two nine nine, or just go to his website bartringlaw.com and someone that doesn't need any legal help as far as I know our uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez joins us this segment to talk recruiting how are you doing today Gerard I'm doing good but I always take offense that I get to segue with the law problems that's not law problems it's law solutions yeah if you got law problems hopefully you say it's Gerard law Martinez solutions doesn't have any law problems I just <laughs> I just feel like that's uh, I feel like that's a racial comment, really. I, 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 I think I'm going to hang up now. Okay. So, well, we, we, uh, Zach, Zach probably has some legal problems. We could talk to him in one second. Zach? Oh, man, now you're bringing Zach into this? Why do the recruiting guys always have, have the, the legal issues? I don't, I... For those who don't know, that's Zach Lajado. He's one of our writers on USAFootball.com. Helps out. Where's Zach? He's like, he's going to hear this. He's like, what? what did... I'm not even on the podcast, and I'm getting dragged into this stuff. I know. Poor guy. We're going to have to have him on sometime. Uh, during, we'll definitely have him on during fall camp. Uh, but before we just get going a little bit, uh, there's been some big recruiting news this week. And Gerard was breaking it all over the place as usual. The, the biggest thing, uh, kind of out of the blue, USC got their 12th commitment uh, from a wide receiver, no less. Where We talked to Gerard before thinking that with two wide receivers in the books, they probably weren't going to get any more, maybe one more. And uh, this was a guy that really wasn't on the list all the way from South Carolina. He was the MVP of Nike camp. Gerard, you want to uh, let people know who this person is? Alshon Jeffrey, 6'3". 215-pound wide receiver from uh, St. Matthew, South Carolina. He, he was on the radar. Uh, definitely a guy that uh, USC had been looking at, and they went to go see him during the spring. Um, interestingly, John Morton actually went to go see him during the spring, whereas Todd McNair is the Southeast recruiting kind of coordinator for USC. Uh, John Morton, the receivers coach, actually went to go see him and play in person. And uh, Alshon, interestingly, you know, through the process, even before he had a scholarship offer, from USC was talking about USC being in his top two along with South Carolina. So he was definitely a guy that was looking west the whole time. And uh, this this week he decided, you know what, he's going to pull the trigger. He got his official offer, his written offer, uh, two days ago from USC and uh, got on the phone and decided, hey, I want to end it all. I want to be a Trojan. Wow. And uh, so it's, it's kind of surprising to some people that were following it. Um, didn't think he was going to commit that quickly. He got the offer, boom, just like kind of uh, Hebron Van Gupo. He was waiting on the offer. As soon as he got the offer, they almost instantly commit. Uh, let's talk about him a little bit. It's, he seems like he's kind of a, a Vidal Hazelson side receiver. Is that correct? Yeah, he's uh, he's got a very interesting build. I mean, 6'3", 215, um, Anquan Bolden, uh, those kind of names kind of pop up to you. He's kind of a tweener between being a, a guy that you would see as a possession receiver 
uh, maybe in the slot, and a guy who's more of that bigger flanker that goes up top for the ball. Um, he's a, a long strider. If you watch him play, you see uh, some pretty good moves after the catch, and he doesn't look like he's moving extremely fast. He's not a receiver that's got that blinding speed like a Randall Carroll or even a Devon Flournoy, who's also uh, committed to USC, but you never see anybody really get the angle on him either. So he runs... Uh, really long stride, really kind of high cut, um, real long legs, and, and it doesn't appear that he's really quick, but as you see in those tapes, uh, he's got some tremendous highlight tapes uh, there on Rivals.com if you pull up the database. Um, he doesn't get caught from behind very often, so this is a kid that, you're, you're correct, I mean, it was a surprise that he came publicly with this commitment so early, and maybe even caught USC off guard a little bit, I don't know. Uh, if, if, if this was the plan to have him commit early and have it out there publicly early. But the uh, kid uh, was just too excited, and obviously uh, his assistant coach, uh, Dwayne Wages, who we spoke to first, uh, couldn't keep it quiet, and it, it got out there, and it was like, well, you know what, got to roll with it. So it becomes uh, kind of like broader green and, uh, you know, an early commitment where it's just going to have to stand the test of time, and, and he's going to have to go through the process. And didn't want to talk so much about taking official visits, um, Alshon is, is, you know, admittedly, it's going to be a long process for him, and he realizes that there's going to be some negative recruiting tactics that are going to be used against USC to sway him from his commitment. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm sure there's going to be twists and turns along the way, but it's a recruiting process, and that's why everybody loves it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's always interesting, and, and guys like this kind of pop not out of nowhere, but this definitely wasn't, people weren't really expecting it exactly when it happened. Um, interesting. I, it, I read a little bit on the message boards. I read your story and it seems like he wants to focus on academics. So he doesn't want to go through any more of the recruiting process, just commit now. And, and he wants to go out West. It seemed like there were some people in the South Carolina area that just, uh, they were kind of up in arms about this. I mean, he's a four-star guy. He's not, you know, it wasn't a five-star guy, but he was the MVP of one of those Nike camps. I, I think he was someone that was, you know, highly thought of in, in this, in the Southeast SEC country. It's just another example of another guy that Pete Carroll goes in and, and pulls one of these star players out of the South, and it just seems to, you know, it just really upset a lot of the uh, local SEC fans. Oh, well, definitely. Um, they did the same with T.J. Bryant and Patrick Turner. USC has a nationwide recruiting trail. They go everywhere. Uh, but this is the first prospect from South Carolina that they've actually been able to land a commitment from. Now, we'll see if he signs with USC, but as far as getting a commitment, this is the first one. And I tell you what, South Carolina is a great place to try to build a pipeline. It's tough because you've got Clemson, you've got South Carolina, you've got Georgia who uses South Carolina a lot. And I think when Florida State was at their peak, um, they were getting a lot of guys from South Carolina. South Carolina is a fantastic state for, uh, for football talent. And it's actually kind of underrated even for high school football. So um, it's, it's definitely a place that USC has gone to before and targeted guys there before but never really had a shot. This particular recruit, Alshon, just decided very early on in the process that he liked USC. He wanted to play at USC. Um, all those reasons are, are not necessarily uh, out to light, I guess. I mean, it's kind of hard even talking to him personally, you know, outside the wing and the aspect of just being a big-time football program. I, I don't know what other connections he has for USC. He's going to come out here uh, June 25th for the Rising Stars camp, and that's going to be his first time on campus, and he's going to, you know, just try to take in the atmosphere. I think really if, if there's anything that has really been the draw for him, it was the coaching staff. I think he, you know, he talked very candidly about just talking to the coaching staff like he's known them for his, you know, entire life. 
And that's really, you got to give a lot of credit for to Todd McNair, who recruits the region. And John Morton, uh, like I said, went down there in person and saw him and had communicated with him. And it seems like just the back and forth with those coaches, with Brennan Carroll, the recruiting coordinator, he felt at home with the coaching staff, even though he's never really been around the coaching staff for any you know uh, long period of time. Yeah, so, okay, so he's the first out-of-state commitment for the class of 2009. Uh, the first one, Pete Carroll, at least, has grabbed from South Carolina. Uh, probably the state of Arkansas is breathing a sigh of relief that you, that Pete Carroll's going somewhere else down there so, <laughs> instead of taking well, another. They did, they, they did a good job of, of, of stealing away uh, Joe Adams at the end of last year. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, maybe it's uh, uh, USC changes gears, but, you know, there's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of country out there, and uh, USC's not afraid to go recruit just about any corner of it. No, definitely not. And I just want to touch one more aspect of this. This makes three wide receivers in the class. What does this mean for the other wide receivers on the board, on your target list? A guy like Shaquille Evans. I, I thought they were only going after three. Could a Randall Carroll move the corner? What do, what do you think uh, lies ahead for the recruiting class for the wide receivers? Randall Carroll could definitely move the corner. Um, he's kind of been recruited as an athlete. There's been some talk more that maybe USC will just recruit him as a corner. Um, I think it, it, it's pretty open to debate uh, the numbers because you always have that athlete label that floats around on certain guys. I mean, talking about Alshon, we have to always remember that this kid had eight interceptions as a junior also on defense. So he's the guy that is no slouch playing on the other side of the ball. Um, versatility is something that you, you know, USC covets, and Pete Carroll's always looked you know, upon it, all his recruits. And I think he, even, you know, with, with this uh, latest commitment, there's, there's a little bit of aspect that you kind of wonder, hmm, you know, maybe this is a kid that could play on the other side of the ball too. Um, so you've got Carroll. I think Florida is definitely the all-in-all receiver. Um, I don't think he's going to move anywhere. He's a perfect slot receiver. Um, as far as the numbers go, you know, they're, they're looking for three guys, and we'll see if there's another guy out there. Does it affect uh, Shaquille Evans? Does it affect uh, guys like Rolando Jefferson? Yeah, it does to a certain extent. I mean, you're only going to recruit so many guys at the position, and regardless of how versatile uh, a player may be in that position, you kind of have some type of projection for what you want. And I think Randall Carroll, uh, you know, even if the talk about him playing corner is true, in the end of the day, he might be like uh, Ronald Johnson. I mean, Ronald Johnson was a guy that came in as a kind of a quote-unquote athlete, could play it away, and people, you know, saw that originally they were going to put him at receiver. Everybody assumed at the end of the day he would end up at corner. Well, that hasn't happened. He played a whole year at receiver. Doesn't look like he's really moving um, at this point uh, anytime soon. So that could happen with Randall Carroll as well. I mean, he may end up having a preference, and if USC wants to keep his commitment, he may have to play receiver, and then at the end of the day they may like him playing receiver. So you have to have that in mind as you recruit down the road. Um, so – you know, is there a lot of leeway here for another guy to be in the class? I don't know. I think it does shut the door on that to a certain extent. Um, you know, people are, are really excited about Rolando Jefferson. He's high up in the Rivals 100. Rolando has a long, long ways to go to get qualified. So that is not something that people should be worried about right now. That's, okay. that's not a concern. It's, um, it, it's more of the guys like Shaquille Evans and, and Marlon Brown supposed to be coming down for the Rising Stars camp. Uh, he's pretty tight with Matt Barkley. We'll see where that goes. A lot of people really kind of feel like uh, Tennessee is going to be the team to beat, and then there's some other SEC schools that are in the mix like Georgia. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it's a long process. And, and, you know, talking about Alshon, you know, Alshon, hey, maybe he doesn't 
end up signing with USC. Maybe he's a guy that down the road all of a sudden starts to waver. So they've got to continue to recruit other receivers and make sure that they have other plans down the road too. Yeah, I mean, that's fairly common when you get a early commit from an out-of-state recruit and they kind of change their mind to the last minute. So like you said, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But we can uh, switch gears a little bit. There was another offer that uh, I believe you broke this week going out. Uh, it's another out-of-state recruit from Las Vegas, uh, Keenan Graham. He's a defensive end. I think he's 6'3", like 220-ish, if, if I'm not mistaken. He had an offer this week. Can you talk a little about him? Keenan's a very interesting player because this is a kid that came down to the uh, the Spark Camp in Long Beach, and at 6'3", 210 pounds, actually ran uh, a 4.59 Spark, electronic 40. Very good time for a guy that size. Had really good numbers overall. I think his end up Spark, spark rating ended up being like 108. Um, so, you know, pretty impressive player. Um, kind of a hybrid tweener, a guy that could play weak side defensive end, um, which is what he plays in high school with his hand down. But he's also a guy that could end up being maybe a strong side linebacker, a Sam linebacker. So a very athletic player. Um, haven't seen him play in person, so I can't tell you, you know, the, the nuances of his game. But, you know, on tape he looks like a guy that's pretty fast. He runs down a lot of plays from the backside. Great kid. Great kid to talk to. Very articulate. Very smart. He's taking the process well. He's got a great family. I've talked to his mom. Um, now he has some family. I think his dad actually lives in Michigan still. Um, so he's going to be going back there this summer for um, a family reunion. So Michigan's in the mix. Um, he likes UCLA. UCLA was one of his offers early on. Uh, but this later offer just coming in from USC really kind of shook up things for him. I mean, he admittedly <laughs> didn't really know how things were going to play out towards the summer because this USC offer was pretty big. And uh, he talked to Nick Holt, and, and Nick, uh, being a very intense guy, I think there was a little bit of a, a kin there, a little bit of a bond. And, and I think, you know, he's pumped up. Now, the, the, big, the big move for USC is to get him in to one of these camps. He's not going to show up this weekend, uh, from what I understand. There's a chance he shows up for the Rising Stars camp, but that was not a guarantee. So if USC can get him in for that Rising Stars camp and uh, can convince him to come down on the campus, I think that might be a done deal. There's a possibility he ends up being uh, lucky number 13. That uh, Those camps are very impressive. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. And uh, the Rising Star camp, I mean, every year, it's just one of those camps that there's not that many school camps that you're going to send rivals will send for, uh, photographers and videographers out to. That's definitely one of them. It's it seems like it's almost as good as a Nike camp now. And, and when kids like that are kind of impressed with the offer, it just seems like that pushes them over the edge when they see all the talent that's out there and they get into it. Plus, if you look at uh, you know reading your story, if you look at his photo, he's wearing a tie with a, a Nike windbreaker over it. So uh, he's got style. <laughs> he's got, uh, I don't know, those might have been his church clothes or something. I don't know where he took those pictures at. We need to get some new photos of him. But uh, he's a good kid. He's uh, definitely got a good family, you know, behind him. And uh, he's a smart kid. And he's going to make a good decision. He's going to come down and, and, and really take his time with things. And I think the May evaluation process for Keenan was just, uh, it was a blitzkrieg. He he was just surprised at, at how much uh, attention he got. And, you know, Las Vegas is not the center of the recruiting era, you know, of, of, of all these rankings and, and all the attention that you get. You know, certain areas are, are obviously big for recruiting and big for pro prospects, and Vegas is not so much. So when you see Michigans and US, UCLAs and, uh, you know, basically the whole Pac-10 coming in uh, to the Vegas area to start recruiting hard, um, it's a little bit of a surprise for the kids that are even in that area, especially the schools. They don't see that kind of tension. They don't see those kind of coaches coming through campus uh, during the May evaluation period uh, like uh, Silverado did with Keenan. 
Hey, you get uh, bonus points, Gerard, for using Blitzkrieg in your analysis. So I do like that. That's very nice. I'm a, I'm Blitzkrieg a big... <laughs> and, and Zeitgeist. Those are uh, those are our fan favorites. Okay. <laughs> very nice, very nice for all our German or World War II fans out there. Uh, I, I do. I have a lot of World War II books. I love reading about that stuff. Um, okay, so last topic we're going to talk about with Gerard is the coming the camps coming up this weekend. Uh, there are two camps: uh, the skills camp and the lineman camp on Saturday and Sunday down at USC. Um, just Gerard, if you want to talk a little about that and uh, kind of what your expectations. I know you said before it's not a huge year for California linemen, but the skills camp looks like it should have some talent there. It's going to be interesting to see who shows up to the skills and linemen camp as opposed to the Rising Stars camp, because everybody we talk to that's a top target, a guy that is either got an offer that it's going to be a big camp for them recruiting-wise, or a kid that he maybe even doesn't have an offer that it would be good for him to come and perform, they all want to show up to the Rising Stars camp, it seems. So it's going to be interesting to actually see who shows up to the skills camp. Uh, and the lineman camp. Now, for the skills camp, we had schedule coming in. Um, Kendall Kelly and Drake Patrick, both from Gadsden City, Alabama. And now it seems like after their Texas visit, that might not be happening. They may be pushing that back to the Rising Stars camp. Um, I suppose they're going to be in Auburn at, at Sunday. So if they're going to be in Auburn Sunday, it's going to be pretty tough for them to be camping out here Saturday. So I, I'm not necessarily sure what's going on with that. We got to try to get a hold of those guys, track them down. Uh, which is not the easiest thing in the world. Alabama guys can can come off and on the radar <laughs> when it comes to uh, doing interviews uh, pretty quickly. So we'll, we'll try to see what's going on with that. Um, obviously, you know, Saturday we'll be down there. We'll let you know uh, exactly who's there. But uh, it, it's kind of up in the air who the skilled players uh, that are going to show up Saturday are. Uh, Lyman camp is probably going to be bent more towards underclassmen. It's not a great year for linemen in California or even nationally. And USC is really not recruiting a lot of linemen. So, it's it's kind of a secondary camp in terms of you know where we're going to see offers and, and maybe even some commitments. The lineman camp is probably going to be pretty quiet with that. The skills camp, you know, you get a guy like Ricky Marray from Corona Centennial, 5'11", uh, 175 pound receiver slash defensive back. Uh, we were at the UCLA camp uh, last weekend and Marray dominated. Marray went against Marlon Pollard, who's uh, one of uh, UCLA's commitments. Um, for this class, and a guy who was in the Rivals 100 at one point, he dominated uh, Marlon Pollard. He really, really, I think Marlon Pollard actually has to pay taxes now to Ricky Marvray because <laughs> Ricky Marvray owns him. It's just unbelievable. Wow. It's uh, it, 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 he went probably went against the, I think they probably went one on one against each other maybe a dozen times. And it's one thing to beat a bunch of different guys that many times, but he went against the same guy every time. And Marvray just he was better and and. Really good in the camp situations. You have to take a, a step back and watch the game film, though. And I think that's why UCLA had not kind of gone ahead and, and offered him. They're also looking at Shaq Evans, so that's probably something that they're trying to figure out. You know, who do we offer? Who, if they don't want big numbers, you know, at the receiver position, those two guys are both slot receivers. Um, but right here and now, you know, Marvray is, is probably a little more polished. He catches the ball extremely well. Not a big time. Uh, measurables guy, not a guy who's going to go out there and run a 4-4-40, but when you watch him run his routes, he's as quick as anybody. I mean, his routes are spectacular, and he knows exactly what he's doing. He attacks the cornerback, and unfortunately, uh, last Saturday, Mullen Pollard was that guy that got attacked over <laughs> and over again. So, uh, so he's a guy that could end up this Saturday at the skills camp. I would expect to see him probably the first half of the camp playing some receiver, and then the second half of the camp playing some cornerback. 
possibility uh, maybe he gets an offer as a corner if he does what he does he did at UCLA last weekend as a corner at USC this weekend. Well, I, I would not be surprised if he got an offer. Um, a guy that we expected to maybe come into the skills camp, Asahan Erebar uh, from Upland, cornerback, about 5'10", 180 pounds. He's real iffy now. He's not going to show up this weekend, it sounds like. He was thinking about showing up to the Rising Stars camp, but now he's kind of leaning towards uh, probably cutting his list looks like Cal and Arizona State. Arizona State probably being the leader there. Um, sounds actually like he and his teammate, Josh Nunez, who's one of the top-rated quarterbacks in the country, could uh, be leaning towards Arizona State. Uh, talking to him, there was a little bit of hinting going on there that he was really impressed with Arizona State. He and Josh were talking about going to the same school, and the only school that they really have in common is Arizona State. So we'll have to kind of watch for that. But um it's going to be interesting. The, the skills camp is kind of going to be up in the air, and we'll, we'll kind of see who shows up. We'll see, you know, what underclassmen. One guy that should be there Saturday as an underclassman um, is uh, you know, wide receiver Robert Woods from Sarah High School, Gardena. And another he, wide receiver. Yes, another wide receiver. <laughs> he was at uh, let's see, he was at the UCLA camp last weekend, Saturday. Great, probably the third best player there at the whole camp. Um, so he he's a guy that I expect to come into USC and probably. Be very impressive this weekend. It only get an offer. It's pretty early. UCLA has actually already offered him. That might come into play. USC may want to get into the race here. Um, I don't think he's going to necessarily commit early, but he's uh, he's definitely one of those top players in California for next year. And USC is going to have to evaluate him very carefully. So it's going to be interesting. You're going to be he's going to be kind of a a mix of guys that. Uh, are going to come out of this camp, probably some underclassmen, probably some upperclassmen, um, you know, that are going to press. And, and obviously the committed guys, probably the majority of those guys will end up being down there Saturday for the skills camp. And obviously Kevin Graff there for the line camp. All right. Well, uh, we'll be down there. USC football will be down there. USCfootball.com will be down there. Gerard will be down there. Uh, we'll do some video. We'll have photos. We'll have all kinds of coverage, any kind of surprises. Check on USCfootball.com over the weekend, and we'll have all of that for you. Gerard, Nobody knows more about USC football recruiting than you. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, thanks for your time. Thank you. Next time, no law jokes. No law. Okay, no law jokes. Uh, but we will thank our the law offices of Bart Ring again, BartRingLaw.com. Thanks for being a sponsor, helping keeping this dog and pony show going. Uh, when we... <laughs> you the dog, I'm the pony. All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk with our new beat writer, Dan Wojcik, about some of the updates from summer workouts. So stay Thank tuned. You. <laughs> Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Trojan fans have legal problems or questions only an attorney can answer? Contact the law offices of Bart Ring. Bart is a proud Trojan alum who has been taking care of the legal needs of the USC family, its alumni, and fans for over 20 years. Like the Trojans under Pete Carroll, Bart and his team achieve successful results for their clients by preparation and outworking the opposition. Call Bart at 818-587-9299 or go to bartringlaw.com to see if he can help you with your legal issues. Don't forget to mention the Peristyle Podcast for a free consultation. USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. 
now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. All right, we're back with the final segment of this week's Peristyle Podcast. We're going to focus on USC Summer Workouts. The football team started uh, conditioning workouts last week on Monday, so we're in the middle of the second week. Wednesday's actually their day off, so they all get to rest today and have some fun. And uh, we're going to talk with new USCfootball.com beat writer, Dan Wyke, uh, about the summer workouts. He's been down there along with myself for a few days for the workouts. How are you doing today, Dan? I am also enjoying my day of rest today, much like the uh, USC football team. Yes. So I'm, no. I'm doing good. Excellent. I'm doing good. Uh, so you really didn't get a chance to see workouts like this down in Old Miss or the last team that you covered just because uh, mm-hmm. they were a little more restrictive as far as access goes and stuff. What were your kind of overall impressions of uh, Coach Carlisle's program and, and what you've kind of seen out in the field? Well, there are a couple of things that I really like about the program so far. Um, I like how, you know, there's enough variation in it that nothing gets monotonous. Um, you know, when they're doing medicine ball workouts, they're not doing the same list. You know, they might be still all focusing on hips, but they'll do it, you know, three different ways. Like, I like that a lot. I mean, it seems to keep players interested. Also, there's always that little built-in competition. I'm getting the idea that, you know, when it comes to, like, some of those things, like, you know, who can throw the medicine ball furthest, you know, who can back up the other guy, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, lastly, I think the thing that's best, the thing that I've noticed most is just how committed all the players are out there and, and how, you know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of attention to detail. Players really, um, especially the guys, especially the guys who, who make the biggest impact on the field, you can tell are the guys in a lot of ways you know, who are, who are giving the most into workouts, you know, watching guys like Gallipo and, and, you know, and Ray Malaga and Maluga, I'm sorry. No, no I problem. Apologize. Pretty good. Pretty good. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I got the M right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then just, and, and just watching guys like that, you know, Kevin Ellison. And I mean, and those are the guys that to me, from what I've seen so far, you know, Feely, when we saw him out there, those are the guys that are really pushing themselves in drills and it's, you know, obviously it, it pays off on the field, but you know, I like that. And I like how um, the one thing that we saw yesterday um, that was new was, uh, you know, they scrapped doing 110 yard runs um, in favor of doing 20s. And the way they did is they made them like football specific. You know, where the cornerbacks went back pedal for 10 yards and then turn to their right and sprint. You know, the linebackers were doing something different. The linemen were doing something different. The running backs were running 12 yards and hitting the hole. And and it was just something. You know, the receivers were making V cuts and and stuff like that, really sharp cuts at, at 12 yards. And, and it was, I like how they made that football specific. And it seemed to, I think they seemed to get the results they were looking for. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you watch down there, he does, you know, you go, we go down and fairly often he's changing it up all the time. And mm-hmm. I, I think some of it is, yeah, you want to get that variety, but you'd like these, you know, the, these guys to stay motivated and it's gotta be hard, especially when they were doing the winter workouts right before spring football. Uh-huh try to stay motivated for a game that's months and months away. I, I don't see that as being all that easy, but every, every time I talk to a player, I talked to Stefan Johnson on Tuesday and he, he kind of said the same thing. You know, they, they do find ways to stay motivated though, even though you don't have a game coming up. I mean, you have so much competition there, uh, you know, just yeah. at the, the running back spot. I think you mentioned this when we were driving down to campus, it, you know, there's not a lot of schools where you have five-star running backs come in and redshirt. And USC right now, six running backs, five of them are five-star, and Broderick Green is a four-star guy. Just crazy the amount of talent. I guess that's motivation enough. Even though if you don't have a game coming up in the next couple of weeks, you still have to stay you know, ahead of your competition, and the only way to do that is to keep getting better. 
that's something that that's come up in a lot of interviews so far, especially, uh, you know, I spoke to CJ Gable, um, late last week. And, uh, that was one thing CJ said was that, you know, and he was a guy who's missed time with injury. You know, it's awful being on the sidelines and watching guys, you know, essentially take your carries and watching guys, you know, kind of move into the depth chart, move up the depth chart. And, you know, I mean, these are guys that, you know, obviously, you know, they're not rooting against anybody or anything like that. I mean, it's nothing like that. But it's something where, though, I think, you know, they everybody keeps each other so hungry that way. And, you know, I, I think when you look at the sustained success the team has had, you know, that's got to be probably one of the biggest reasons is just that internal competition is burns that internal fire. And, and you see these players, I mean, out, out of workouts when, you know, you know, they, they, you could go through it at 85% and still probably take something out of it. And you could look, you could look like you're doing, you know, the job the right way, but I don't get that impression at all from those guys. I, I feel like guys are really busting them. Really guys are really, really working hard. I mean, you see the guys afterwards are covered in sweat and, they're tired, sometimes too tired to even talk. And, and you know, it, it's – they're working. I mean, for sure, they're out there working hard. Yeah, we, it was, we had a funny moment. We went to the uh, 10 o'clock workout on Tuesday. We tried to go to some different ones because usually the same players go to the same workouts. We just want to see different people work out. They go at 7, 10, and 1. We haven't been to a 1 o'clock one yet, but we'll check one of those out as well. Uh, some of the players were kind of getting in right around the time – when the workouts are about to start and they usually start off with there's kind of they'll start uh, with their hands down and run 40 yards and then stretch a little bit, run back. And uh, Coach Carla will call out like, you know, one minute or whatever right before, you know, when there's one minute left until they start the workout. And uh, so when some of the stragglers were coming, I think Everson Griffin was one of the guys he was he was still on time. Um, but they, Carlisle ran the guys like as a joke, just to make it look like he was late. And he was, <laughs> yeah. you know, and this, you know, this big guy, you know, great athlete is, is running his butt off because he thinks he's like a minute late and they're all joking. Cause he's really not, but it's kind of a funny moment down there when they're, they're so worried about not just getting to these workouts, you know, and, and doing their work, but just getting there on time and being there with everybody else when the thing gets started. Well, that's something, too, that, I mean, I wrote about this um, a couple of weeks ago um, on the heels of the, the Brendan Carroll video. Um, that's one thing I like about this program, and it's just, it seems like, you know, while they, while they definitely work hard, I mean, they, they just tend to have fun. I mean, you know, I'm reminded every time when I'm out on the practice field that this is the same place where Johnny Knoxville returned punts on jackass. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you know what I mean? It's something like, you know, this is where he dressed up in a Tennessee uniform and just got leveled you know, for at the end of a night practice, it's something where, you know, it's just that they don't take themselves way too seriously. I mean, that shouldn't, I don't want that to sound like they're not working hard and they're not doing the right things. Cause I mean, clearly they are, but you know, it's something where it's just amazing that they're able to have so much fun. And I guess maybe that's a byproduct of winning. I mean, I guess when you're, when you're winning bowl games and you know, when you're rolling Illinois by 40 points, it's, it's probably pretty easy to smile. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, we talked a little about the running backs. I wanted to kind of tease a piece you have coming up pretty soon on Broderick Green. Uh, if you, you know, if, yeah, for those who aren't familiar with Broderick Green, I mean, he's a he's a kid out of Arkansas. His recruitment was um, really interesting because USC had got a couple transfers out of Arkansas: Mitch Mustaine and Damon Williams. Um, they had been recruiting that state kind of hard, and and we've actually got you know some, the Arkansas publisher kind of was teasing me a little bit, asking Pete, you know, telling me asking me to ask Pete Carroll not to come pilfer his state anymore. Um, so it's, it's, you know, he's a funny kid, but he's, he's kind of known on the team as the big back and people kind of make fun of his weight a little bit. Um, just mm -hmm. wanted to get your initial thoughts on him, maybe tease a little bit what that story you have coming up on him. 
Yeah, well, you know, we talked to him. That was the first thing, you know, you ask him is, is you, I mean, you hate to do it, but you ask him, you know, how much, how, what do you weigh right now? Because, you know, his weight has been such an issue. I mean, he's a guy who's over 240. I mean, he's just a big guy. You know, he's under, he's 235 right now. He wants to drop down to about 228. Um, he's a guy, though, who, <laughs> who's like, you know, he hears what people say about his weight. He knows it's an issue. And it's like when he gains it, it's not because, He's, you know, out of shape or, or, you know, doing the wrong things off the field or anything like that. He's just a big guy. I mean, really, that's the impression I got from him is he's just a guy that, you know, I'm sure if he just sat around, he'd probably gain weight just from sitting around. You know, he looks at – he's not out, you know, all night, like, just closing down to Carl's Jr. or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's, he's doing the right things. He just gains weight. And, you know, it's going to be – you know, if he can get to that, that 230 – um. 232, 228, that kind of range right there. From talking to some of some of the people around the team, there's an impression that he's going to be difficult to keep up the field at times. And when you think about just the the amount of depth and experience that they have at running back, the fact that this redshirt freshman might come in and get some carries because his skills are so unique. He, you know, he's he's not like Joe McKnight. He's not like C.J. Gable or Stephon Johnson or Alan Bradford. Even, you know, he's just a, a house. And he, he's a guy, like I was talking to him, we were talking about some of the other big backs that he likes. You know, you would think that he would be into guys that just run over people. I mean, that's and he likes to do that. But, you know, he talked about Larry Johnson, too, in college, and how Larry Johnson kind of was shiftier than people thought. And, you know, we talked a little bit about T.J. Duckett was a guy who I covered at, at Michigan State, who's a guy who was just absolutely enormous but fast and agile. And, and I think that's the kind of back Roderick wants to, to be is he wants to be a guy who's big. And, you know, and, he, and he's hungry. He wants some attention, too, right now. I mean, he's a guy, he hears everybody talking about all these five-star running backs and stuff like that. I think, you know, one of the things that he told me that was funny is that he wants to get his name out there, too. So, you know, he, he's a guy who's motivated. I know the coaching staff's been very impressed with him so far in summer workouts. Um, they're glad. I think they see that his weight's down. And, you know, you, we were watching him in some drills, and, I mean, he's moving very, very nicely. I mean, he, he doesn't look – he doesn't look heavy on his feet. A lot of bigger guys, you know, do that. I mean, I don't know. I think he's an intriguing guy. Could be a little bit of an X factor. And I mean, that's just another weapon in the backfield is if you can have a guy like that, maybe in short yardage situations as a guy who can come in and, you know, and get through and get through and push that pile forwards. Yeah. If anything, you got to give him sympathy. There's no other running back in the country as talented as he is that has to look up at five, five-star running backs ahead of him on the depth chart. So that's, that's, Ridiculous. And on, and on top of that, Ryan, hear people call him fat. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely doesn't no, look like, fat. You see him down there. He, he looks really well put together. He's just bigger. And I think you're completely right. The fact that that's unique on the team, there's not, there, there's not one of those. And you have like a, a Alan Bradford's the next closest thing, but Bradford's not a run over type of guy. I mean, he's, he's fast and he can be elusive, but he's not a bull people over kind of but kind of guy, especially for his size. He's not, you know, he's around 220 or so. I think he's not someone that just runs people over. He, he seems to kind of go down on contact a little more easily. So, you know, Broderick Green is, is, is unique. And if you can be unique in this, in this offense, I think that's going to help him. I mean, Joe McKnight brings something unique. He's going to see the field. If Broderick Green be, can become that big back, he's going to see the field. There's no doubt about it. Oh, with so much talent, there's no question that having that kind of specialized skill, I mean, you know, that's going to keep Ronald Johnson on the field, you know, all fall, I'm sure, is the fact that he's, he's the guy who, who can run faster than everybody else and he can sprint. 
you know, and he's going to be the guy, you know, he's going to go down the field. And I mean, it's a unique skill and it, it helps separate you from a bunch of from a group of guys that, you know, all do similar things pretty well. And that, you know, and that's the thing talking to Broderick. I mean, he wants to be on the field. I, I feel like too, he's a guy who, you know, if, even if he stays at like 235, he's just going to get stronger. I mean, they're, they're, he could be 235 without an ounce of fat on him. I mean, really, like he's built like that. And, and you know, Coach Carlisle and stuff, I think they see a guy like that, and I think they start to salivate a little bit. A guy who's just naturally big, you know, and, and a guy who appears to be willing to work hard. And, and, and you, you put those two things together to a strength and conditioning staff, I think they feel like, He's a guy that's going to be difficult to keep off the field. Certainly. I couldn't agree with you more. All right. Well, that's uh, all we got for this segment, all the time we have. Thanks very much for uh, sharing your insights, Dan, on the uh, USC Summer Workouts. My pleasure. It's, uh, it's why you're paying me the big bucks. Oh, yeah. We'll be out there uh, Friday. They're going to have a 6.30 full team conditioning workout. So Can't wait. Dan will be down Can't there. 6.30 a.m. That's it's tough stuff. So just, just don't show up with like a breakfast burrito and a uh, milkshake or something and just you know while they're breakfast burrito and a milkshake huh yeah just so you know i've seen your dietary habits are are coming into question (laughs) you don't want to be walking around the sideline while they're out working and uh and eating a lot of food but uh enjoy that on friday dan and uh we will talk to you next week all right sounds good ryan take it easy all right thanks very much for uh listening to the episode 17 of the peristyle podcast we'll be back next week with more on the usc trojans so thank you for listening been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.